0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 64 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week, we're talking with Lee Roggenberg from Florida Lacrosse News about the Florida playoffs. And I'm talking with Michael Ward about our trips to Long Island. And we're starting now. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I hope you had a fantastic week. This week, we have a bit of a two-parter. In the first part of this week's podcast, I'm talking with Lee Roggenberg. He's the reporter at FloridaLacrosseNews.com, and we're talking about the Florida High School Lacrosse Championship. Um, As we recorded this, it was a Thursday night, so they had not yet played the Elite Eight. So we kind of did a recap of what the playoffs had been up until then some surprises and then of course we get Lee to make a prediction and as usual the second half of this week's podcast will be with Michael Ward and where we get to talk about the teams that we saw on Long Island last week I was there as part of the Geico lacrosse showcase he was there watching Loyola Academy play three of the best teams in the nation so we got to compare and contrast some of the things we saw hope you enjoy this week's episode and we're going to get into it right now all right, I'm here with uh, Lee Roggenberg from Florida Lacrosse News, and we're going to talk about the, the Florida playoffs, which as we're recording this right now, they are getting ready to play the, the quarterfinals. So we're kind of, Lee, we're going to start with kind of a recap of the playoffs up until this point, and then we'll move into kind of uh, the predictions part, because everybody loves a prediction, especially if you can get proven wrong by the end, by the end of it. Um, yes. But what's been happening in the Florida playoffs so far?
1: You know, Mike, uh, I think that one way to really talk about it as a lead-in is that on uh, Tuesday night when we had the Sweet 16, or as the FHSAA likes to call it, Region one semifinal <laughs> uh, <laughs> of the eight games, five of them were one-goal games. Yeah, that, uh, that was just amazing lacrosse. A couple of the games that were relatively easy were expected to be relatively easy. Mm. There were a couple of teams that... Uh, one team in particular that I was a little surprised to see get past the first round, uh, but then went down to Cardinal Moody pretty easily. If we start up in sort of the north, we had McClay uh, going down to defeat to Bowles 17-16. Uh, to 16. Uh, I have seen Bowles this year, had not seen McClay. McClay had a sort of weak uh, year last year, had been a traditional state program, uh, it looks like it's on the track uh, back up this year. Bowles was able to grind that one out. Yeah. Uh, we had Pontevedra going down to Lake Marion, winning that one comfortably, and that's kind of the expected because Pontevedra is really the the team in the state this year right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now you go down towards uh, the Orlando area. Bishop Moore held on for a one-goal win over Lake Highland Prep. I believe that's their fourth straight win over the Highlanders, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, right now, you know, Bishop Moore is the better program. Uh, we'll see if that continues or if Lake Highland kind of gets back on track next year. Yeah. Uh, over in the Tampa area, a Jesuit of Tampa uh, came through, held on for a one-goal win over a surprising Newsom team. Cardinal Moon, as I mentioned, uh, knocked off uh, Baron Collier fairly easily last night. Jupiter uh, had a little bit of uh, a surprise with uh, Melbourne Central Catholic, Oh, you know they won seven to three I think that that was a little closer than uh, people would expect yeah uh, down south uh, Gulliver uh, knocked off western 12 to 11 Western Doug shanahan's team yeah. that was the surprise the night to me not because I thought it was going to be an easy western win but Western had won the early regular season game in overtime. And I thought Weston had improved more than Gulliver had over the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, but Gulliver at home was able to gut out the one-goal win. Yeah. And then we had the incredible <sighs> St. Thomas-St. Andrews game last night. Yeah. Uh, this was a game where St. Thomas got out to an 8-1 to lead in the first quarter. And St. Andrews gutted out, got all the way back, and in the third quarter actually took the lead 10-9. to But unfortunately, it took so much out of them uh, on that comeback that by the time we got to the fourth quarter, it was very difficult for the uh, St. Andrews defense to keep up with the St. Thomas attack. And that's sort of where the difference was in the fourth quarter. But then when it looked like St. Thomas was going to be able to put the game away, about four minutes left in the game with possession and a two-goal lead, they made some questionable uh, shots at goal, gave St. Andrews some new life, St. Andrews scored twice in a minute and a half, tying the game up about a minute 25 or so to go in the game. Then it came down to uh, what I called the mano a mano <laughs> of Brock Gonzalez on St. Thomas against Louis Adams, the St. Andrews stud defender, yeah. who basically did everything uh, to help St. Andrews get back to that game. But you could tell that you know Louis was just a little bit spent. <laughs> Brock is a big kid; he was able to sort of Get under him, get to the goal, and score the winner of twelve seconds to go.
2: Yeah,
1: and uh, we had a little bit of fun with that in the recap article today. <laughs> the title: uh, I don't know if you you caught that or not.
0: Not not yet, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I threw in a Game of Thrones oh. and WWE combo <laughs> <laughs> in that title. Uh, and I'll just let the readers kind of you know, yeah. worry about going to watch it. But this is I'll,
0: I'll link to I'll make sure I have that linked in the in the show notes as well.
1: <laughs> marvel it was just an, a a marvelous game. Probably close to a thousand people there. Oh wow uh, that's, this is a, yeah. This yeah. is a rivalry that's special for the playoffs in particular because you know, as a lot of people down here remember there was an incident in the twenty twelve playoff game. And so the ADs have not allowed a regular season game between the two of them since. Oh wow. But, you know, we're not at a point now. The crowds are fine. The, the, they, there were no incidents last night. It's really time to get that back on the regular season schedule. But yeah. you know, that was the wrap-up of the quarterfinals. You know, if you go back around, were there any kind of surprises? Yeah, a couple of, uh, one or two, two-seeds got through in their districts. But there wasn't any really
0: big surprise I guess I'll throw out one. Like, I guess I looking at it, I was a little surprised Oxbridge didn't get through um, to the, like, I, I kind of saw them and obviously reading your articles, like, I thought them and Pontevedra, like, I thought that was going to be the final matchup or, you know, in final four, depending on how, you know, everything shook out. But so I was a little surprised that Oxbridge didn't make it through. But making it that it's that winner of the St. Andrews-Oxbridge game that, you know, that's that's a, that's a tough early round game.
1: It's the the really what happened with, with Oxbridge is in that regular season game with Pontavidra, they were at home. They controlled the tempo in the game for the first three quarters, you, winning seven to four, uh, going into the fourth, and Pontavidra just put on a masterpiece
3: yeah.
1: in the fourth quarter, outscored them, uh, yeah, they put seven goals up to win the game. Yeah. And it took something emotionally out of Oxbridge and they never recovered. Yeah. You know, sometimes with high schools, you know, emotional uh, consistency, <sighs> confidence, you know, those can be fragile. Yeah. And they just never were the same. This is a team that went into St. Andrews in the regular season, beat them 14 to 7. Yeah. And lost by seven goals in the rematch of St. Andrews, which. You know, it has the last couple of years has come on. And remember, St. Andrews knocked them out in the first round last year, too. And as you mentioned, you know, we've got the kiss of death, as they call it in soccer and the World Cup uh, bracket down here because St. Thomas, St. Andrews, and Oxbridge are all in the same regional small mini quadrant, and they're matched up in the first two rounds. Yeah. And that's, uh, you're talking three of the the top five or six teams in the state
3: here
0: yeah and
1: they're the ones who are meeting in the first two rounds
0: i mean traditionally i guess it's yeah i mean what well obviously st andrews would make it through that so many years but then st thomas had their few years where they were making it to the championship game it seemed like the winner of that that area would eventually go on to the the championship game and i mean i guess it could this year as well with st thomas aquinas but i think we've seen last year the parity in florida is much more spread out so it's Fun for fans because it's a little bit more unpredictable. I mean, how many years ago would you have predicted it wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have St. Andrews or Lake Highland prep anywhere mm-hmm. in the mix at this point in the playoffs?
1: <laughs> yep. It's uh, when you kind of look, and part of that's also look at the coaches who've come down here. Uh, I can probably break a little bit of news here uh, as part of this. You're Chris Spaulding, uh I did mention it, I haven't put the article up yet, but Chris Spalding's on his way back to Florida i oh, upstate New York. Really? And is going to be the director of lacrosse operations at Montverde Academy.
0: Ah. Where I've been wondering when and, they were going to get behind. Yeah. Well, they brought Brooks
1: Sweet in yeah. last year. And now Brooks and uh, Chris are going to be working together. So I can think you can expect a couple of years from now, yeah. you'll see another entry into that uh, mix
0: that this will this will be an aside from the playoffs, but I have a little inside baseball because my uh, a colleague coworker um, he covers mm-hmm. soccer nationally, and Montverde Academy is very 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 good in uh, soccer, and I don't think I I could be wrong, but I don't even think they play for the state association. Um, they have a team that basically is like IMG Academy, where they just they're not worried about winning a state title. They're just trying to play the best teams in the country not to say they're to do that for lacrosse but if that's the model that'll be very interesting to watch to see what they what they do with that program if they'll like I, they might have like a b team that plays for the state state championship but um i know they've gotten very good at crossing very fast and he told me a couple years ago that they were starting to aisle across and i was like well if they get into it that i mean we've seen img academy have success with it who doesn't want to go to florida and play <laughs> This
1: is uh, so true. Uh, And if you want to relocate from the north as a big-name coach, and money is not an issue, and let's say Peter Cordry came down here and and, and took over Benjamin uh, this season, the former Princeton
2: goalie,
1: and I don't remember what high school he was at in New Jersey, but he had a terrific record up there. And then the Quattro's. mm -hmm. Yeah, the Venequeros have taken over Bishop Barrett. Barrett and, um, and you just a, kind of look. Coach forward. Seaman
0: at uh, St. Andrews,
1: <laughs> Stan at Oxford. Yeah, uh, you and it's it's just going to keep you know, keep going that way because it's such an attractive market yeah. to come down and work with. Now, you know, you touched a little bit about the uh, you know all the teams in the mix. One of the things that. Uh, we might very well hear in June, is the FHSAA might roll out two classes. Okay. And they, from what I've heard, it would be by school size.
3: Yeah.
1: And unfortunately, that's not really the best way to do it for the sport of lacrosse, if you have to go that route. Yeah. Because unlike so many other sports, school size doesn't really matter that much in lacrosse. You look at some of the state champions down here. Lake Highland is not a big school. St. Andrews is not a big school. Uh, There are plenty of schools that are three digits in the number of students that are in my top 25 every year. So I I don't think that if you set up a situation where one or two large public schools are winning every single state title at the larger class, and we still have this mad scramble at the smaller class. You haven't really done anything. anything that's really worth it. I, I put out something uh, actually probably, I guess, back in October or so. Mm-hmm. And we rolled it out again this year to see how it would work. There's a little, There's about 200 schools that play the sport. Okay. But this is an enormous geographic yeah.
0: area. Florida's a large swath of land.
1: Yeah. And you have the sixteen districts. Why not go to a sixty fourteen or sorry thirty it's thirty two districts? Yeah, mm-hmm. why not go to a sixty fourteen bracket instead? If we're going to use max preps anyhow in all the other sports which they do, why not use the football model, which basically brings the next highest rated max preps teams who didn't win their district
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: bring them into the playoffs too? This would have been uh, this would have been terrific this year because we we had three top 10 teams in my poll that did not even make it out of the district yeah. because there was another top 10 team that they had to play in the finals. Yeah. I mean, do we want the best teams in the bracket or, or not? And it's not like we're worried about all of these rematches. Well, they already beat Team A once or twice. Why do they have to be in the third time, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, a lot of these... First and second round matches were rematches also. Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of seen that if you really want this to grow as in the state, look outside the box and tailor the playoff approach for the way that the sport really is instead of just taking the same model that you have. You know, football's, I I think they have like eight or nine classes. Yeah. Basketball's probably got as many. Soccer's probably got as many. But you know, there's 600 football teams. There's yeah. 800, whatever the number is. Yeah. And it's just a different animal. Lacrosse. Lacrosse isn't based on size. It's based on feeder program. Right. That's where you get your best programs out of. So yeah, yeah I'd love to see them instead of just willy nilly throw it out. They've got a lacrosse advisory panel finally going into place why would you put out a class change before the advisory panel has given their input? Right. It just doesn't make sense to
0: me. Yeah. I guess there are, yeah, I obviously I have, I have no inside knowledge on that, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Cause obviously mo- most states do some sort of class system and, most of them are by scot by size i mean connecticut has literally their small medium large is their designations and you know i from i think in north carolina they do they split to 3a and 4a and then 1 2 and 3a or that's i think maryland has something similar maryland actually i think just broke theirs out into a third division um in the last couple of years so they're as they add more schools they break it out further and further so you know that cut off to where how big or small you are <clears throat> also, goes yeah, down. But so, these I mean,
1: are established sports states. You yeah, know, well, New York has had this forever. Connecticut has had lacrosse for a long time. Maryland has obviously been there probably for seventy, eighty years. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, this is we're still new at this. It's I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think as a sanctioned sport, I don't know, maybe fifteen years. If that has it been 15
0: already, Uh,
1: maybe not even. Man, I'm getting old. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, just what's the point of trying to build it that way? You it's sort of like you need to have something to shoot for,
0: yeah. And I don't
1: think shooting for a state title if it's not the really best teams who make it to a final four. At this point in time, in the growth of the sport, I don't think it does anything for the sport down here. Yeah. Let's get to two hundred and fifty. Let's get to three hundred before we do this, because travel will start to become an issue in two classes if scheduling gets.
0: Well, depending a on, on yeah, depending on the size. Can you imagine having to go down to St. Thomas Aquinas?
1: Well, wouldn't yeah. be in the first round, and you know we made sure to keep the quadrants at least in my proposal. Yeah, I didn't want to make that an issue, and I don't think that that would even happen so much in the two classes. But I'm looking at, uh, say, in the Panhandle, where District One, I'm guessing, is 150 miles wide or something like that. You go from Pensacola to Tallahassee, is a lot longer trip than people realize. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think we might have I might have mentioned in the podcast that we did before that. If I get in the car in Boca and I drive to Tallahassee, not even Pensacola, yeah, just Tallahassee, yeah, I could go from where I grew up on Long Island to Buffalo quick, yeah. And you add Pensacola; that's another hundred plus miles, yeah. <laughs> so, this is just the type of thing where I think that they don't need to rush it,
0: yeah. I, you guys, uh, you guys, Florida has same some of the same stuff that California faces, which obviously California doesn't do a state champion in lacrosse. They do their um, CIFs, which breaks everything down into different areas. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's unique challenges to states that are so broad and long. I mean, I know Tennessee for a number of years has gone back and forth on you know, one state champion or two state champion. I think this is last year was the first year they did um, public and private and they do two classes in each. So they're even trying, you know, something, you know, their private schools are separated from their public and then they have two divisions for each of those. So small and large. So like it's lacrosse is definitely unique in the situation. And I've seen different States try and handle it in various, various ways. And, you see the growing pains. I mean, I think it's one of those things. Like you said, it's it's still new enough and young enough that, that you, whatever the FHSA decides on now may not be what it ends up being in in five years. Um, you know, just because. Possibly, well, you you would hope yeah. not. Like no yeah. one's going to get it right the first time. You would hope they would take, like, all right, see how it goes and see what plays out and adapt and evolve it from there. And like, maybe this doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: you know, part of this also is that. Uh, as much as we in the lacrosse world recognize the underpinnings of what's going on down here, the youth, the coaches coming in, the IQ of the players substantially taking a step up, the popularity in areas that really were not there five, seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately in Gainesville, it's not on their radar that much. Yeah. You know, Alex Lozun is a great guy. He works his tail off, but he doesn't have any real sway with the board of directors. They're not going to say, "Well, Alex, you know, you design it." Right. They're just not going to, you know, go that direction. And there's still an awful lot of athletic directors and others in this state who. Look at this as—I hate to put it this bluntly—the white privilege sport. Yeah, and you know it's—it's uh, it, it's a shame that they don't quite yet have the institutional knowledge up there. Uh, I believe only one of the sixteen board members comes from a state that has um, comes from a school that has a decent lacrosse program. Yeah, and uh, the, he's new to the board last year, so there's not going to be a lot of. Listening there, and a number of the board members are not even with schools. Yeah, they're not large member, or they are uh, uh, part of the bureaucracy, whatever it is. But you know, it's a shame because those of us who are in the middle of it, it's not really broken. Yeah, there's no real need to go too fast, right, in another right. direction. It's evolving. It's five years from now, we're gonna have 20 legitimate title contenders in my opinion yeah you can always you can see it by when you go to your summer uh, club events yeah and you see as someone mentioned to me the monsters up in Sarasota five years ago were really starting to show well yeah and now that's the Cardinal Mooney team yeah <laughs> that's you know going to be playing Jupiter and yeah. it's, it's there's plenty of desire there's plenty of kids. Don't rush to change so quickly. Just yeah. add the playoff mix that I kind of came up with. That'll increase interest. You get these schools playing a playoff game that have never played one before, because they couldn't get out of St. Andrew's district. They couldn't right. get out of St. Thomas's district. Couldn't get out of Pontevedra's district. Couldn't get out of Lake Highlands district. Yeah. You start to take some of the second place and even third place teams. A couple of the third place teams would have qualified. Yeah. You're gonna just draw. Crowds, you're going to make money for Gainesville because they get the ticket take right. in many ways from the playoff games. They yeah. Just you know, do it the right way.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, let's move back into this year's playoffs rather than I think my Alexa just went off. So <laughs> hopefully it won't talk too loud. Um, but yeah. So we obviously, as I like, as mentioned at the start, we're recording this. The sweet our Elite Eight has not to be played. So. You'll almost have to forgive any predictions that could be null and void by by the time I'm editing this um but who has been most impressive to you so far, and you think um probably has the the most legit shot at taking home the crown this year?
1: well, you know first of all, Mike, the caveat is is that no one ever gives me a break on a prediction yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I get one wrong by a
1: goal, and I hear from it from some people. <laughs> But yeah, obviously, look, Vidra right now has got to be considered the favorite to win this thing.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, they're just they they're loaded. The offense is just clicking on everything. They've got multiple Division One recruits. Yeah, uh, they're it's across the board. They're going into the season. It was thought goaltending would be a little bit of an issue, but Carter Parlett's younger brother Noah took over the cage and has played very well. Yeah, they've yeah. got face off. They've got Max Shallett, They've got others on defense. Zidiello is it yellow? Is one of the better kept secrets up there? Yeah. You look at that offense, and oh Lord. Uh,
0: yeah, they they really like, seem to have it at every spot on the field. Like that. I mean, as for as long as I've been covering lacrosse and known Coach West, like this, and he's had <laughs> some really good teams. This <laughs> might be the most complete team that I think I've seen them have. Like I've never <laughs> seen them roll through the state quite yeah. like they have this year. I mean, easily, which is, the, easily the best team. Which I'm sure mm-hmm. probably just as easily keeps him up at night because mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those things like heavy you know, the it's it's heavy when your head wears the crown. Like, you know, when everybody's anticipating, it's almost that much harder because, you know, there's I'm sure there's a Cardinal Mooney team would probably be like, Well, if you thought they were the favorite, I'm sure they'd love to be the ones to you know, I'm sure everybody'd be, love to be the one. I mean, Jupiter's probably mm-hmm. sitting there and be like, Hey, we're the defending champ. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's but it, they they, yeah. they do look good. They have looked good this year.
1: I, I would think that, you know, Ponte should not have uh, trouble getting past Foles. Uh, it's a relatively local rivalry, at least distance-wise. Foles yeah. has yeah. been, you know, pretty darn good in lacrosse over the years. Yeah. Uh, Mark Molby went back there. Mike Molby went back there to uh, coach again this year. But they, they just don't have the horses, you know, yeah. to get by Ponte in this one. Then you kind of look, let's go down south. Uh, St. Thomas goes down to uh, Gulliver. Uh, one thing that I did, I was able, you know, it's funny. I said I didn't see Gulliver in person, but I actually did catch some of the game via stream. They actually streamed it hmm. uh, and saw some. I was surprised by how big an athletic Gulliver was. Yeah. But St. Thomas is, uh, is very athletic, very fast, and has started to really... Uh, Put it together offensively, and they have Jared Schnoy. And those who don't know who Jared Chinoy is, get to know him. He is a face-off savant. He went 25 and out of 29 against St. Andrews Tuesday night, and there really wasn't any you know, stopping him. Yeah, uh, I don't see. Gulliver has a nice face-off uh, uh, player too, whose name escapes me, but. Um, I, I really do expect that St. You know, Thomas will five, six goals probably at a minimum will win this game.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then you've got uh, uh, Bishop Moore, I think, goes over to Tampa and, and wins that game uh, maybe about three, four goals uh, or so. They're just, you know, I think, just too athletic for Jesuit to handle. I did see Jesuit, did not see Bishop Moore this year. So yeah. It's one of the yeah. few times I haven't mm-hmm. seen him lately. Um, I saw a Jesuit down in Miami that played Dallas-Jesuit. They actually gave them a decent game uh, and then took Boleyn out pretty easily. Uh, they have some firepower, but I don't think it's enough to get past Bishop Moore. Yeah. And then you get down to really what is the most intriguing game easily of the quarterfinals. This is a little surprising to me in that it's being played at Jupiter again this year like it was last year. Uh, the way that the FHSAA kind of does it. It's sort of the bottom or the top of the bracket in their area. And uh, whoever is this year, it's the bottom side that got the home game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, I, I kind of thought that since Cardinal Mooney had to go over to Jupiter last year in a similar situation, would the rules say, okay, Jupiter has to return the favor this year? Yeah. And in this game, home field is an enormous advantage.
0: Yeah, when you get this in the playoffs,
1: we're three and a half, four hours. Yeah, to get there. So, how many of the Jupiter faithful would go over to that game, vice versa?
2: Right. Both
1: teams travel, you know, fairly well, but it's still three and a half, four hours on a Friday.
0: On a that bus. they have to go
1: all <laughs> the way across the state. Yeah. And you know, get having kids on the bus that long. You know, it's it, do you stop halfway across? Get out, stretch the legs, maybe do a little stretching routine. Get back on the bus. I don't really know how the how the Cardinal Mooning coaching staff is going to handle that. But
0: well, I've always, I've heard you, coaches say like they've gotten like they've had incidences like that where they have to get off the bus and they have to play like five minutes later. They don't have time because the game like you know as yeah. well as like our right, game's got to start. So you mean that stuff? So and the weather you know. issue. Yeah,
1: the weather issue is that the, there is thunderstorms in the forecast. <clears throat> Tomorrow in the Jupiter area. Yeah. Now, all things being equal, Cardinal Mooney had the better year this year. Yeah. Jupiter played some extra high-end games, but Cardinal Mooney had some very impressive wins. So they went to Bishop Moore a couple of weeks ago and beat them seventeen to eight. Yeah. At Bishop Moore, that really opened a lot of eyes. They're a team that has been together, has played together quite well. Uh, last year in the regional finals. Uh, it was, a, I think, a three-goal game. I think it was an 11-8 final with Jupiter holding on. They were able to hold down MJ McMahon, and <laughs> Cardinal Mooney's uh, yeah.
2: top yeah.
1: offensive player. Uh, I honestly think that if the weather and if the travel doesn't affect them, I think Cardinal Mooney can sneak this one out. Yeah. Uh, this, is, uh, this is one. I mean, if I'm obviously going to be there. Uh, And I just think that Jupiter's had a little bit of up and down this year. At times, the offense has struggled. Carlo Mooney really hasn't struggled with the offense. Their only loss all year was at St. Andrews. Again, another four-hour trip across. Yeah. A game that I believe, if I remember correctly, they were leading at halftime. And then their face-off, their top face-off guy, Alec Frank, got injured. In the game in the third quarter, and that you know turned it around quite a bit, and St. Andrews ended up uh, winning. I believe eleven to eight. Yeah. Um, so you know, this is one that I think you could see Cardinal Mooney sneaking out the win at the end, but it's going to be this is the marquee game on Friday yeah.
0: night. Yeah. So no definitely, definitely a good, not say early round matchup, mid round matchup. So, but who who do you who's your uh, who's your picks for the finals? Like, who do you think will be the the last two teams standing?
1: Well, you know Cardinal Mooney and Jupiter winner would play Pontevedra, and that's down in Boca Raton. Uh, you've got you know, then you're probably going to see St. Thomas playing Bishop Moore. Uh, right now, I would probably say Pontevedra and St. Thomas in the final. Pontevedra should win, but that's probably the toughest matchup left yeah. for Pontevedra, as far as how they match up. Yeah. And Chinoi dominate possessions. St. Thomas has the depth and the athletes to sort of stay with Panavija, but I think that Panavija's offense is more refined.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And although St. Thomas has some nice defensive pieces too, Max Shallet is you know, is above and beyond anyone they have. And so I, I kind of feel that uh, this is finally going to be Tom's year. Which you know would be you know good for him since his Rangers had such a bad year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just speak that one in, Tom. Uh, I apologize. There you go. <laughs> All right, but, so But you know, I, I think that this could, this is, this very well could be Panavija's year. And the nice thing about that is that it would be two straight public high school victories. And it just goes to show you, it's not private versus public. It's
0: yeah.
1: Either program. Yeah. Either program, Theater program.
0: Yeah. So uh, for everybody who's listening to keep in mind we're, we're publishing this on Sunday, so when people are listening to it, it's relative. But when mm-hmm. is the actual championship game for Florida?
1: We, we have a uh, three-day span. The girls will be starting on uh, May 9th, which is Thursday night. They'll play their semifinals. Uh, the boys will be playing the semifinals Friday. I believe it's 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock slated. And then they're going to try to get the girls' game in at night oh. on uh, Friday night.
3: Okay. Because
1: flag football gets the field
3: ah,
1: <laughs> on Saturday man. until the football boys. Football is king. <laughs> but I, again, I just please, Gainesville, <laughs> give us our own location, <laughs> particularly if you're going to two classes. <laughs> you can't, more, more games
0: you got to fit in, you got to squeeze them.
1: There's, there's four sports the high same weekend because not only are those three but you also have the boys and girls water polo and the pool is right behind the stands and the boys volleyball is going to be in the gym
0: oh wow it's a busy weekend
1: a warning to those who hear this and who are planning on attending from out of town (laughs) be careful where you park (laughs) because I'm hoping that they will have sort of a satellite lot and some shuttle Buses, but there's a mall like right next door, a strip mall, next door to the field. Don't park there. <laughs> I will be checking with the Boca Raton police to see how many cars get towed. <laughs> uh, so please be careful about uh, where you park. Yeah. When you get there.
0: <laughs> all right. So if people want to uh, follow you online, and I'm sure you'll be you'll be tweeting all the games that you're you're at or have recaps. Um, where can people find you online?
1: Okay, well, first of all, the website, www.FloridaLacrosseNews.com. Twitter feed is uh, Florida, capital L, capital X. The long-promised Instagram is still not functioning. (laughs) (laughs) And on Facebook, uh, I believe it's News. Uh, but it's it's a fairly easy one to
0: uh, search for if you have to. And I'll have links to everything uh, below yeah. below as well. So it's shaping up semifinal. to be an exciting end to the, no, to the season. the
1: games I do tend to tweet out. Uh, final <laughs> games will be in you know, normal wrap-ups. If my uh, cell phone works properly, we do Periscope. Uh, do some live broadcasting Periscope. Try to get coaches after the game and also... Uh, we'll put that on our Twitter feed right away too. So you'll be able to get an awful lot of you know, good information you yeah. know, through us uh, that you won't get through uh, the FHSAA website. Yeah. Uh, for and, uh,
0: Flo- Florida will be this, I believe the second, second state to get its champion. South Carolina already finished crazy enough. We already have one champion in Florida. is usually right there, right there behind them. Um, oh, two weeks later. So, and, The dominoes are falling now. Like after this, like more and more states start to wrap up and finish. So, uh, the cross season, unfortunately, is starting to wrap up here around the country and it's, uh, getting close, getting close everywhere. Everybody's starting to talk about it. It'll only be about
1: 264 days until we start up again. There you go. (laughs) It's something to shoot for. Mike, let me mention a, a couple of things, you know, to those who are listening out there. Uh, those of us, you know, those of us who follow me, I really want everyone to subscribe to Mike's YouTube channel. Oh,
2: you.
1: uh, there is so much good stuff that Mike will be putting up uh, as we go along with the season. It's well worth it. A subscription gets you an email uh, notice when a new video goes up. Now, even if you don't watch it, subscribe to it anyhow <laughs> because Mike deserves it. You know, Mike's always been very good to the state of Florida, and so I want all the listeners and readers in our state to know that Mike, someone you you need to support. I appreciate
0: the, it, Lee. That was that you know uh, that was un, un I you know I did not pay for that <laughs> for, for for that. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Well, I would uh, you know, also want to encourage everyone to listen to that parents referee video that Mike and Mike Ward uh, put together. Yeah, uh, it's it's something that it's very important to parents to learn to control themselves. At the games, when it comes to ref baiting, yeah, uh, it's one thing. If you're upset with a call, okay, fine, yell out "ah," yeah, <laughs> but don't, you know, you Mike. I don't know if you you caught this, but it's some of these hockey games in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you're starting to hear chants in the crowd for a bad call in yeah. unison. Refs, you suck. I mean, that's that's inexcusable.
0: It gets to be that mob mentality when you get that many people. Um, yeah. you know, it, start, it starts with one and it it yeah. bleeds it, and, you know, and professional sports, alcohol plays into a, you know, a good chunk of that, uh, that mentality. People aren't really thinking about it. And it, I think, and I'll link to it as well. Cause you can hear the entire conversation, but it always ends up being one of those things as well. Like people, when you're in the stands and you're yelling at the a guy wearing the zebra shirt on the field, it's not a real person because you're so far away. People may sometimes think that like, maybe they don't think they can hear them or it's just like you don't have to see how it affects another human being. And then, like, I mean, just one of those things, like, I, we were talking before, like, uh, and I don't want to rehash the whole conversation because I have a feeling we'll probably end up touching this conversation again at a later point in time. But, you know, I saw a team this week, I think it was Denver, East said their game got canceled because of lack of officials. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it's one of those things that's going to happen. Like, it's here. We're seeing – it have an impact on games. I think there was a game in North Carolina this year that their game got postponed today because they didn't have officials. So I mean this this cannot be something that can continue. It's not sustainable. This is not one of those things like, oh, you'll find other ones. There's you're seeing around the country, there's fewer and fewer younger guys that are picking it up and doing it because they just don't want to deal with the BS. And so, you know, if we don't don't take care of what we got, you know, Having you know multiple classes would probably be the least of your concern if you know the games can't get played. like you got to have the officials, you got to let them do their job. they're human. like these are high school refs as Mike and I said, like these are high school refs like no one's getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to throw a high school across game. like they're all doing so their best and they're doing understand. it because they love the sport.
1: Yeah, so that people understand Mike the difference in pay between a high school ref and a division one ref is like six or seven to one, yeah this is not you know some of these uh, referees have done division one division two games. they know the rules better you got to stay away from the refs after the game. There is no excuse whatsoever yeah. for approaching a ref after a game, yeah you just let it go if you didn't like it. We had a very tough ending in a district game down here that I wrote about where a ref did miss. Did uh, make an incorrect goal mm-hmm. score on an overtime game, but it's going, you know, this is, this is life, yeah. people. It's life. You just have to, you know, understand that, you know, this stuff is going to happen once on a blue moon. You just have to, you know, live with it.
0: Yeah. Adver- adversity. We're all used to getting, you know, dealing with it, and moving on, and we're going to leave it there because this will be a topic that, like, unfortunately, we'll probably touch on again because it probably won't go away. But uh, hopefully, it will get better. Like Michael Ward said last week, he's like, maybe we just keep talking about it, bringing it up. You know, you reach the one, and then, you know, hopefully, you know, it spreads from there. So, Lee, I can't thank you enough for for being on. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll probably talk again, even though the season is almost over. I'm sure we'll be talking again here before too long. So, uh, everybody, please, you know, check out Lee. I'll have links to everywhere you can find him down below. So, uh, Lee, have a great one, man. Mike, thanks a bunch for having me on. Always a pleasure. All right, it's a pleasure, man. You have a good one. You too. Bye. <laughs> All right, so back with uh, Michael Ward this week, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do something a little bit different because last week we just so happened to both be on Long Island at different times. I think. I got into town on Saturday. You were out. I think Thursday was your last day, right? Like you yes. took off Thursday, so we missed each other by a few days. But thought it might be kind of fun because we got to one. We both got to see a Saint Anthony's team, but we also got to see um, some East Coast lacrosse. And then you've got the perspective of you've seen a lot of Midwest lacrosse. You got to see. You've seen Loyola Academy several times this year, and obviously got to see some of the the. Literally the best teams. I think all three of those teams are, are right. <clears throat> top 10 teams when it comes down to it. Um, but like I got I wanted to see how your trip went. Uh, I It was a
4: great time. I mean, I, I got to stay with my in-laws, my godson. Uh, so that was nice. I love driving. So it was an easy drive. The only part about driving there is when you get into New York. it's It's a nightmare. And again, <laughs> with the weather. With the weather and it getting dark and me getting old, it gets hard to see and the lines are bad. So it's just a grip. It's just a grip it and go steering yeah. wheel. But it was a, it was a blast. I, mean, I couldn't have had, uh, the hospitality that was shown to me was, um, was just second to none. I mean, how inviting all the coaches were and, and it was just, it, and I said jokingly in my article, um, I, I felt more welcome there than that I do in the Midwest games and maybe it wasn't half jokingly. I mean, they, yeah. they pulled, me, I was on their sidelines and I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like again, going back to my days when I was a trader, if something changed my habit and then I lost money, I would be furious. So I'm sitting there like, I don't want to be on, I don't, I don't want to take you out of anything. Cause God forbid you lost or something yeah. happened. But, uh, just coach Moran at Chaminade and his wife and, and the coaches, it was so, they were so gracious and then it just carried on yeah. to each school. So I, I don't know if I could say I could have a better type of experience than that. I mean, I, I don't think the normal, uh, media gets that kind of treatment. I mean, it was like, I was like, Hey, <laughs> like, I know they don't because there were people from the media <clears throat> looking at me like, who is this guy? Yeah. And so it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. A little odd to see uh, lacrosse games played at ten o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, I guess you guys. I guess in most of those schools must have been on uh, on spring break. Obviously, Lerilla, yeah. uh Academy. Yeah. Wow. yeah, it was Easter. It was Easter break. Yeah, it was Easter break. <clears throat> so you know, yeah, that was yeah, obviously nice to get it done early. I guess. <laughs> you yeah. Know, it was yeah. It's like kind of, kind of, kind of weird. Like almost like when I go to the movies in the middle of the day, you walk out and you're like, oh, it's still daylight. <laughs> like, right. Um but so I wanted to get your your perspectives cuz you've seen a lot of the teams in the Midwest. Um you know just just not even thinking about previous years but this year alone you've seen a lot of the teams in the Midwest and you've seen some of the best teams in the Midwest in Brother Rice and Culver Academy. And then you got to see like I'm I I don't know what they're going to be ranked now cuz I know uh Garden City lost to Manhasset <clears throat> that weekend um that Saturday after I was there um which I really wanted to go to that game. But work calls, and I have to fly out. So um, my trip was more like I flew out from Chicago Thursday night, and then I flew into Baltimore uh, to visit with my brother for Friday. And then me and a buddy drove up from Baltimore to Long Island on Saturday and then drove back. Um, I think I got back in the town at like 1130 midnight um, Saturday night, Sunday morning, however you want to look at it. And then I had a 1 o'clock flight. So it was a bit of a whirlwind, which – Anybody listening you could probably tell by my voice. <laughs> like it's uh, I think the uh, the trip caught up with me just a little bit uh, with a cold, but um, yeah, it's like it was for me. It was a great trip, but I'm really curious to see your perspective on seeing like not that you didn't know you've never seen an East Coast team before um, in general, but I'm just kind of curious to get your perspective out of seeing them so close to one another uh, this year. Well. I cut my
4: teeth so to speak on Long Island lacrosse. That was my first experience with it was West Islip <clears throat> which back then when I was watching it they were one of the best teams there was. Yeah. Uh so I was always in awe of um the lacrosse style out there. And it's not that they're bigger, it's not that they're more athletic like they don't make them faster, bigger, stronger out out east. It's just the uh the skill level Uh, And it's not even the skill level on the top players. It's the skill level all the way down the bench. Yeah. That's, I think, so the depth of the teams, um, the familiarity with these teams, like these kids, they just work with each other. And the competition, they go up day in, day day out. You have to be better. You know, if you, there's not many off games, like, we saw both of us saw Saint Anthony's, yeah. yeah, and I saw Shaman of Saint Anthony's in Garden City. Saint Anthony's and Shaman played a week. Before. Yeah, you have to play that. You have to play that kind of schedule. Um That you're <clears throat> bound to make you tough. You have to adapt or die, yeah. and that's and that's the problem that I think is for the Midwest. It's not that the top end teams don't have the talent. They might not have as much talent, but they have the talent. Um, But they haven't been tested under the fire of that kind of talent coming at them. I mean, Loyola, Loyola Academy does to teams what was done to them. Yeah. I I saw a team that on the first time they got rattled, when they bobbled a ball, it was, it was, I mean, there was no second chance. Yeah. Chaminade was on them. And then just to watch them it it is as i said in my article it was surgical it was surgical i mean it was ball here ball and it didn't seem like you realized it was just scoring like the like yeah. all of a sudden it was 10 nothing at half and you're like how did that happen it just was so smooth yeah and so like i think I, i'm going to i don't have the stats i think every goal maybe except one was assisted yeah uh and if you want to throw in the hockey assist i would say at least half were that i mean it was bing 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 i mean i love passing that's my favorite part i love good passing they did it they were they were just so smooth um it almost seems like from coming from the midwest and watching the midwest teams it almost seems like the Midwest plays a style that was popular in Long Island ten years ago. Okay. Do, you, you, you know, like it's like oh, <laughs> the, the fad comes later to the oh, Midwest. Right. You know? Everything moved out later. <laughs> right. So it's 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 more of a ball control where now you see uh, teams out east are starting to move the ball faster, and I think that's because I, I know in the MIAA they have the shot clock. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there was no shot clock uh, in these games, but I think they know that it might be coming. And so they play that way. Yeah. Um, they see an opening. They're taking the opening. Uh, whereas Loyola was a little more um, deliberate. I think they were trying to hold the ball as long as they can, you know, because it was just like <clears throat> you turned your head. It, well, don't, it you know, you don't, a goal.
0: You don't play to the other team's strengths. And if you no. know, you know, if you, if you have the opportunity, it's like, if that's how you got to win, like, cause they went out there to win. They didn't go out there. Oh no, you know, yeah. No, so yeah. it's like, you got to, and I mean, I got to say, like, I saw St. Anthony's team. And now I, I will put the, like, they played Lincoln Sudbury and I talked to coach Vanna, who I've known for years it was first time I actually got to meet him. And we went up and introduced myself. I was like, Hey, how you doing? He was like, it's like, this is going to be a tough one they were missing six starters off that team. And he was okay. like they got, like three ACL tears, a broken oh. foot. One kid had the flu. And I forget what the other one was, but it was one of those. And like for anybody out there saying like, oh, this makes excuse," Three of the kids were walking around the sideline on crutches. And like, oh, so, uh, that happens. <clears throat> so it's yeah. just like, yeah, that's tough. And, but they've been playing that way for a few weeks. And it's one thing to play like, you know, Massachusetts lacrosse is very, very, very good. But Saint Anthony's, like, I saw them, and I, no, and I'm coming from a perspective like I've seen great teams play. I saw I saw the 2011 Haverford School team, which is probably one of the best teams that I've just ever seen, top to bottom. And Saint Anthony's, like, kind of like you, at one point I looked up, I was like, I remember, I think it was three to two Lincoln Sudbury at one point. I think they they were up by one, and I was like, oh, Coach Vaughn, I was like. He was sandbagging me. He was like, they was just, you know, playing, playing it up it as like they're, they got a little bit of fighting them. They're scrappy. Next thing I know, is six to three. Right, it just, and it, it, it's, it's, boom. Literally, it looked like at one point I was like, it looked like St. Anthony's got a little pissed off. That's yeah. the best way because like their face-off guy took the ball and just ran down the field and just scored. And then it was like bang, bang, bang. Like next thing you know, they had three, four goals on the board, and I was like, this as like, and they just. It just like they turned it on. They're like, all right we're, right, we're done, and they just turned off. I and it saw was, the same thing because it was one of those like. I mean, obviously Brendan O'Neill, <clears throat> I was I've seen him play at the Under Armour games, but for me it was like this was the first time I got to see Saint Anthony's team play, and I was like, all right, I get to see him in in his element, not with you know a, a bunch of random kids selected to play on a team, but with guys <laughs> he plays with in and out. He was not the most impressive guy in the field for me. The Jake Bonomi kid, that That's... kid lit it up. Like I was, and he, like, and he lit it up in our game. He was it, my player of the game. Yeah, it was. He was one of those. I was like, <clears throat> oh my god, it's like this team is scary good. And, right, and they had taken a loss. <laughs> like they're, not, so they, might not, they might not, even be the favorite team in their conference, in their league right.
4: this year. That's that, that's what's scary. <laughs> that's what's the crazy part when you're looking at that kind of talent, and then I look at Shamonad, I go, and, and and they played. To me, they played two different ways. Yeah. Um, like I said, one is finesse as i put it, it was death by a thousand cuts but yeah. it's death by a thousand goals i mean it, it just you can't stop them yeah and then saint anthony's is almost like they just attack you yeah. i mean bonomi first of all everyone's looking for brendan o'neill and he's hard to miss the kid is <laughs> he is he is big and and i think and I want to make sure that people understand this. I think people just think he's a big, bruising
3: oh, kid. Yeah. He
4: is nimble. Yeah. He is. He's got nifty hands. He he looks the he looks off the ball and makes great passes. He's a true teammate. Yeah. He is a true like this isn't the kid who sits there and says I'm going to hog the ball. I'll take it. He didn't score. I think he scored maybe one goal in the game that I saw. Maybe two. His goal scoring that I saw. I knew what he was going to do because I've seen yeah. the move. He comes around the left side with one hand. Yeah. And then just rises up and and shoots over <laughs> the goalie's head. Like, you have to save it. Like, like I don't think a goalie who's never seen it is like, wait a minute, I have to put my stick over because he throws it down over you. Yeah. But then you start freaking out and saying, oh, we got to cover Brennan. And then you got Bonomi over there. Yeah. Who could put it in anywhere. Yeah. From anywhere. And his quickness and aggressiveness, I was blown away by the kid. I loved it. I'm like, and I, and you know, he's going to Michigan. Yeah. So as I went up to him after the game and I gave him the award and I said, I said, they're going to love you at Michigan. All I keep thinking about is him and Jackson clay together. I mean, the speed and the, and the, uh, Oh, I, 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 I can't wait to watch it. And then, um, their other kid, the, the 21, uh, McAdory McAdory Yes. Andrew, he didn't, he didn't score against Loyola. But I seriously could not take my eyes off the kid because he just exploded it. Like it, there was no slow; it yeah. was just lightning quickness. Mm. And I'm like, "This kid is going to be a star." And I love when I see someone young yeah. that I know, because I promise you, in two years they're going to be talking about him at Saint Anthony's. Um, and he was that he was that good. So it was such a pleasure to see it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't sit there and say. Oh, the East Coast is great, and the Midwest isn't great. It's their style. That's how they play. Yeah. Now, you come out here and you watch the Midwest teams, and you watch the best of the best. It's also a blast. There are different styles. Um, uh, I was at the game last, last night, or I don't know what day this is going to air, but I was at the um, Upper Arlington... Dublin Kaufman game, and that which on um, Wednesday night for everybody. Yeah, I previous, yeah. previous Wednesday, today is right. Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what day it is. Day it is. Um, but they had you know, they had one on one plays. I mean, there was one time that the whole field cleared out at the midline. Yeah. For one player on one player, and I'm thinking, why would they do this? Because I knew
0: who the who had the ball, and he blew by him and scored. Yeah, you wouldn't see that No. in the Eagles. You wouldn't see it. I didn't. Um, I mean. I saw – I mean, I could, I could say it's like I saw – I think every team was ranked. Lincoln-Sudbury was not ranked in top 25, but I saw St. Anthony's, Ward-Melville, Haverford School, Darien, Seton Hall Prep, and Lincoln-Sudbury. And, you know, all f- five of those schools are all ranked in top 25. I did not see a one-on-one situation no, right. in any I, I mean, of them. I mean, they, those teams, they are, they are precision, and right. they, they, they know what they do. They have a plan of attack, and they're looking for the open guy. Yes. and it's yes. they're scary but there's the, like so
4: Kaufman for example Dublin Kaufman um I, I, let's be honest they don't have a team of nine field players that are like a team that we saw out there yeah so they have to do that Right. i mean they have three they have they have three really good attackmen um they have another kid number 4 i can't think of his name right now I'm like, why isn't that kid playing more? Because he's another one who just jumps off the field. Uh, so they play their way. And that's the, okay. So let's say that's the Midwest way. Yeah. Um, and is it more plotting? Yes. Is it more one on one? Yes. Some people like to call it hero ball? Sure. But it's the way they play here. Yeah. Uh, I don't like saying, oh, we need to ch- change our style for. West. Right. Try to make it work as best for you because that's how it is going to be here. You know, there aren't going to be teams like Loyal Academy has a full squad. Brother Rice has a full squad. Yeah. um They could change their offense. The other teams, they're not as deep, so they have to do what what happens. Plenty of shit. I strengths. don't fault them. Right. I don't yeah. fault it at all. I and can that tell probably changes.
0: It's high school. It, it probably changes from year to year. But like, oh, we're much better at this right. this year, so we're not going to do that Oh, yeah. That.
4: It changes from game to game. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about the injuries, you got the, the you know, I don't want to say the best players on the team. Are you, let's just say the majority of the best players on the Midwest teams might be a, another sport. Yeah. So you've got kids who are injured or kids who are nursing injuries from hockey, yeah. which I know of. There was a couple kids on Loyola who were nursing a hip pointer and, and his, in and his, uh, Big asset speed, and he couldn't run as well. Yeah, and not running as well against those teams. Right. Um. So all of a sudden, you have to change your offense. I mean, you, okay, we got to right. do something else. Now, when you go against a team like uh, Chaminade, Garden City, or Saint Anthony's, and you and you're timid for one second, it's all it, it, it's all it's over. It's yeah. just over, and it's and again, I, I love the fact that Coach Snyder. Didn't get like honest players, you know. Uh, he didn't get down. He was he was constantly telling his players, "Hey, keep your head up." You know, yeah. no one's playing these. He's like these teams play each other, and and this happens to him. Yeah, you know. And he got to play freshmen. He got to play sophomores yeah. against these guys, and and a couple freshmen actually looked really good. Yeah, uh, scored a few goals. I mean wasn't overwhelmed. It was actually sort of, I mean, let's, let's also at the end of the games, St. Anthony's did not have their full squad out there. Chaminade did not have their full squad out there. Garden city might've garden city. Um, wasn't as dynamic as the other two. Yeah. Just super talented and, and athletic and big. And and, and, I mean, big, big, uh, (sighs) And so I can see how they, but they also had a great face off guy. Great goalie. Great great defense. I met his father. He he talked about you had him as a player of the week. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Um, the, and he was sitting with the goalies, dad, and he started. He's like, why didn't you name my kid player of the week? I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I said, I only covered a Midwest. Mike covers, I said, I'll let you get a hold of Mike. You throw me and, under the bus on that one, no Right? Side. I totally threw <laughs> you under the bus. But their defensive players were huge. I mean, like, I'm like, is this a football team? And they have a, a kid on their team who, I, I, I'm going to butcher his name, it's Trevor Boa Cody. Okay. He's going to Brown. He was the starting running back, I guess, on their football team and was offered – this is what I was told. He was the starting running back on their football team. Princeton wanted him to go to play at Princeton. Mm -hmm. He's the starting midi on their team, and Brown wants him, so he's going to play lacrosse at Brown.
0: Not bad options. I mean, come on.
4: (laughs) You know, I started smiling, just like, oh, I wish that – I wish – you know, I <laughs> wish that was the call that my kid was getting, not for, oh, lacrosse or the sport, the school. It's like Princeton you know, or it,
0: Brown, which one? Right, huh. right. <laughs> I,
4: I mean, but then when you see this kid, he's another one who explodes off the off the field. And if I could clock a shot with my eyes, and like I've seen kids shooting it fast all week. Yeah. He had to be 110 miles an hour. I, I kid you not, I, I'm like, I would... If, if I was a goalie's dad, I couldn't be there. I would have to walk because I'm like this is gonna this is gonna kill somebody yeah and I mean he was winding it up uh he'll it, be another one right Mark that name down but like we're saying, there's just it's just different now I haven't seen a lot of West Coast teams, but I'd like to go out and look at West Coast now yeah, just to see the difference. I've seen a lot of the South teams and a lot of the South teams play almost a combination you have the big football boys down in, in atlanta yeah. uh in florida but you also have some real speed and skill guys so it's a nice combination that's why i've always said i go florida at some point texas at some <clears> point <throat> california at some point will dominate because that's where the a they can practice all the time and the athletes they have It'll just manifest itself, I, I think.
0: Well, I think. yeah, I think the co- the coaching seems to be heading a lot towards Florida. I think there's <laughs> going to be – I think Florida's got a pretty good shot at overtaking. You know, If you're talking – depending on how you want to quantify it, um, I think Florida has a pretty good shot at it. But I think Florida will <clears> – <throat> I, I don't want to say suffer because there's a lot, a lot of good teams in the parity and Florida's getting much, much more spread out so you're seeing more teams. But I think to your point and like, kind of what I want to bring it back to is – <laughs> um you mentioned like Saint Anthony's can play a shaman. St. Anthony's also goes across the border and plays the Del Barton squad that is traditionally the state power in New Jersey. They play in like all these teams, I mean, you just look at the teams that were there in Saint Anthony's on the weekend, and this really not really out of the norm for those those squads like right you know and I was I talked to coach Premier at and he was like oh yeah we play St. Anthony's every year he's like it's become a good rivalry game for us he was like we never got to play Seton Hall prep so we're really looking forward to that and that was one of the most exciting games that I saw I mean that thing went I mean that and the Haverford Ward Melville game like those were thrilling games like they both went down to the wire I mean obviously Seton Hall prep went in overtime but then Haverford went down I mean it could have easily gone in overtime because uh they scored I think with six seconds remaining um to get that to to win that game so but you know for a lot of those teams like it's not abnormal to play this caliber of team and so i'm you know the question i was going to pose to you is also what i think you know florida may it's like the it's going to take a while for the talent and florida and maybe the midwest like i guess when you say the midwest it's almost not fair because you could talk baltimore new york long island and those are more condensed areas when we say the midwest like um it's a much broader
4: <laughs> i mean 200 de- miles away yeah it's like depending <laughs> i mean on, i'm like, driving to all these places from,
0: from missouri to ohio that's a right. wide oh, right. swath of land right so i mean but it's like you look at like as you have mentioned several times like <laughs> steel sharpens steel it's like what, what, I guess what does it take for these areas to build up enough concentrated talent to be able to, to where these teams can play? I mean, I mean, I would love to see Brother Rice and Culver Academy start a rivalry where it's like, oh, we play year in, year out. um and they can't. Thing. And you know, it's just like one of those like those teams because I mean, I mean, we're we're obviously this will be released on Sunday, and depending on when you're listening to this, these games will have already happened. But we're going to the Midwest lacrosse classic i forget the name of it mlc challenge Challenge. um this weekend and you know i'm just look i'm i look at the lineup it's got a very solid lineup of schools but then you also look at like oh you know there's some and i think two years ago they had micds and uh, i think carmel was there Over brother Rice, I think Loyola Academy was there. Loyola was there. Um, They had some teams, and I know there's always travel and scheduling for these things has got to be a bear um, for this stuff. It's easier when you have ESPN helping (laughs) schedule schedule your stuff uh, for stuff. But you know, what what do you think it would it would Hmm. take to get? Uh, I want to say Long Island, like, but Long Island and Baltimore, they're concentrated areas. Like, is there any area in the Midwest that has a shot of being the next? Baltimore, long island area where it's just like there's the concentration of talent
4: i've said because the way they treat their sports here in indiana and there's connections to illinois michigan ohio and kentucky Mm -hmm. and from the middle of indiana you could hit all those within four hours so if you could be able to and i know a lot of those teams could come and play in indiana they can go one state over yeah um so I've always thought that there's a big there's a big opportunity for Indiana. Now, I don't think there's the push for it, mm-hmm. um, but there's a huge basketball background here. It wouldn't be hard to say to the kids, hey, let's put a stick in your hand. But there is no one really pushing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Ohio pushes hard. Ohio has uh, Ohio and Michigan both have tons of athletic talent, hockey teams. uh football teams
0: you see those both those states so yeah Yeah, i think the talent wise is there i mean obviously you know if you just look at football football alone i'm like there's plenty of talent like i don't think athleticism is is really right
4: but the difference i said in, in in an article was in the midwest you have a lot of football players that play lacrosse you have a lot of hockey players that play lacrosse as opposed to out east they might be a football player but they're also a lacrosse player that yeah. was said about Shamanad when he's like i was he was pointing out one of the players he's like that's our captain he's the captain of the football team he's the captain of the lacrosse team he's going to play at navy yeah and i'm like okay that's perfect yeah he didn't say he also plays football it was this this and this yeah and it just struck me as like because because I know there's kids on, let's say, Carmel. Let's say Brother Rice, who play football, and then they come and play lacrosse. Yeah. And I'm not putting them down because some of these kids are going to play D one for lacrosse. Right. It's just if they, and I'm not even saying if they dropped football, if they just kept with the the work, it it just seems to work better for them on the East Coast. They allow it more. They yeah. they it's more
0: of a. I think it's, it's more of a life. It's in the I think it's much it's more the in the culture. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many times like I've seen um various either coaches' Instagrams or Twitters and, and like the kids not even walking yet and they already have a cross stick in their oh, head. Yeah. like yeah. that's you know that stuff is it's, it's, it's like breathing. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like you're you're born and they put the stick in your hand and be like this is this is what you're going to do. This is what this, this is this is the love. It's not it's not say not a choice but it's not a choice like it's right. like this is this is what we do here it's like right. crab cakes and lacrosse this is what right. Maryland does I was right. right
4: i was driving when i when i got on the road to leave uh garden city uh like i walked right out of the game got in the car to go and as i was taking a right turn uh about a mile away there were two kids on their bikes waiting to cross the street both of them with lacrosse sticks on their handlebar <laughs> yeah. and i'm like and i i wanted to take a picture but i'm like you know, people will go nuts if I'm taking it. But yeah. I'm like, that, ex- I, I that summed it up. I go, there's the difference. These are eight and nine-year-old kids riding their bikes, their BMX bikes, and across their handlebars, they're holding onto the handlebars with their lacrosse stick. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it. You don't see that going to the park here. Yeah. Uh, and it takes a lot. I mean, it, it it's not, it takes a will to do it. And you know what? And frankly, I don't, I don't know if there's a state that really wants to push it. another state that I think gets overlooked so much in the Midwest <clears throat> that I think has a ton of talent, but they don't get to play anybody is Minnesota. yeah, they got they're gonna have scheduling issues always yeah, that's their one and of the and they and they have a mileage yeah. issue too, and I think it's I think they might be three hundred or five hundred miles. so if you try to go through three hundred miles from Minneapolis, you might get to Evanston, Illinois, maybe <laughs> right. Uh, and pretty much nowhere else. Yeah. So they can't, they can't go more than one state. And it's a shame because I know the players they have. Yeah. You've got these big players who play high. It's, I mean, it's like Canada. I mean, they play box up there. Uh, they, they're physical. I mean, these are, I've seen their teams come down. I've seen their teams when they have travel teams in the summer and you look at those teams, you're like, oh boy. Yeah. And, and they play. With an edge. Yeah. I would love to see, and I've talked to coaches recently, <clears throat> since I returned, I have I have sent messages to 15 to 16 coaches, or I've tweeted with them, I've texted with them, and just said I want to try to make a tournament. Um, I don't know where, I don't know how, mm-hmm. but I don't want you to say no because I just want you to say, what can I do? That's all I said. I said yeah. don't say we can't because. I said I'm not going to accept can't. I said because if you want to be good to compare to them, you don't even have to play them, but you need brother rice needs to be playing Loyola, Kaufman, MICDS, uh the same thing all around, New Trier, Loyola Cathedral, Carmel, uh Benedictine, St. Margaret up up top, up yeah. there. Uh if they're when I was in high school at Loyola Academy, their hockey team was so good and New Trier's hockey team were so good that they had two varsity teams and the two top varsity teams traveled around the Midwest. They were in their own league. Yeah. They would play in Michigan. They'd play in Canada. They play in Minnesota. And I keep thinking, why can't that happen now? I know there are a lot of restrictions as far as the um, state associations. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that that's the workaround I want to look at, like, you know instead of instead of every coach saying there's this there's let's let's figure something out yeah um i would love that because i would think that would be better for all of them in the long run brother rice has two varsity lacrosse teams i mean they can yeah uh let's say it's a jv team but the varsity teams that they play won't play a jv team because they don't want to lose to a jv team so it's called varsity b yeah carmel where i'm wearing the shirt cuz my son had a game tonight is he's on the JV team? Their JV team has played varsity teams and has and and beat them and beat them badly. Yeah. So that's the that's the part of and it's not like Carmel's off the charts great, but it's just there's depth there. Yeah. So there might have to be almost like a varsity league and then an upper vars because it doesn't help brother rice to beat a team 20 to nothing. It doesn't help M I C D S to beat a team 24 to three or Kaufman 28 to two. I mean, it's not helping them. Yeah. And I think all of a sudden when they come and play another team, it throws them off their game. Well, I think, uh, you
0: know, we um, potentially saw it whenever, I guess, we, you, Wes, you saw MICDS lose, um, I think, their only game of this year. St. Ignatius. Is, yeah, when they lost to St. Ignatius. And I got the totally. chance to talk with Coach K. He was like, you know, it's just there's a, there's a difference whenever you – because I, I talked to him. I think the, the game's getting played tonight, but leading into tonight's game, Thursday night's game against Desmet, like they'd won 85 straight games against Missouri teams. They haven't lost since 2014. Right. So I think when you get the teams and you – and scheduling and like because we mentioned all these teams and for anybody who's not familiar with the midwest like you know and i was probably one of those people when i lived on these because you don't realize how far apart all these schools are i mean to get from micds to even culver academy like it's not a short drive like you're talking about like it's it's gonna take you six hours yeah i mean it's um you know you can throw a stone in long island Literally, some of the the MIA schools—you could walk between like Gilman and and Boys Latin and those schools. Like, it's not distance is not an issue. Distance is a little bit more of an issue. So you need a—you need something like a not a tournament because tournament gets is can be um, a no-no. Jamboree, yeah. I keep saying, is it a jamboree,
2: a showcase?
4: showcase? I mean, Um, I know there's got to be the right word to use to be able to pull it off. Like, no one could actually win it yeah but just to play those teams, I think would be uh, uh, just such a help you know what we're, we're talking about it'd be it's,
0: you know one of those things like I think I mentioned with you like I would like to see t- to the point where you because know, Loyola obviously went east and played all these teams. It'd be nice to see those teams come here and not just play Loyola like you know, it'd be nice so oh, Chaminade comes here and plays Loyola for a game, but then also you know maybe they play new Trier. <laughs> <clears throat> or you know maybe micds comes up and plays at a neutral site kind of thing like you know something like that where you know because you got to make it worth a team like shaman you got to make it worth their while they can't come out and just play a Loyola academy like they can't come out no, and no, just right. play yeah. like, you got to make the trip everyone's got to
4: get the everyone's got to get the a, a taste of it yeah so um
0: and so when all the coaches who were so gracious
4: to me anything i could do to help out but i've um will you come to the midwest and play <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, will you come and play? Yeah. And they just sort of laughed. I'm like, I'm completely serious. Yeah. Uh, and then I talked with, um, somebody here who organizes types of things. And I said, what could make it happen? And I kept thinking, where could we play this? Uh, and it would have to be something really cool. A a, a way earlier episode. I'm like, do we sit there and try to get Notre Dame and say, Let's get, if I'm just going for Long Island, for example, I was thinking, you go to Catholic schools, uh, Chaminade, St. Anthony's, and you can go to public schools, uh, West Islip, because that's the one I, you know, that's my team, and Garden City, or whoever you want, or, you know, Ward Melville, and then you bring them and say, you're going to come to Notre Dame, yeah, or Michigan, or Ohio State, or, I mean... Evanston Northwestern's I don't know if you've seen Northwestern's campus what they've done their women's lacrosse field I don't know if it's line for men it's on the lake it over when you're sitting there you're looking at the Chicago skyline in the background yeah it's a special place and I'm thinking this would be in it you know I'm doing one of these <laughs> this would be a tv shot to get some of the big teams from the out out east to come and play and then you get teams from ohio michigan and make it a showcase yeah uh you know i don't think small so i'm like you know maybe you get you pull in. Te- you know you could pull in teams from california i mean we are the center of the country yeah we could be that meeting spot if there's a will there's a way i keep thinking so i that's exactly the the feeling i keep talking um i know people think i'm nuts when i talk about it and i'm like i'm gonna get this done i'm like i you are you ha- i'm gonna get this done <laughs> Uh, it's been going on all day today. So that's where it would be great. I mean, that would be, I just imagine if you get St. Ignatius from California to come to Chicago to play Nutrier and Chaminade comes to play and they're playing, uh, brother rice. I I, I mean, I would pay to see it. I would, I I don't know how big it would get. And I don't know what the, the – the way teams from the East Coast would do it was just to be gracious to help build the sport because yeah. it's a lose-lose. for. I mean, they if they lose, they're going to be like, oh, you got beat by a team from the Midwest. Um, And if they win, it's, well, you should have beat the team from the Midwest. Right. Uh, so when they were saying whatever we could do to help, that's – I threw it right uh, come to the Midwest. Yeah. Well, I think, to, you know, and, I'm, to, and I'm not letting that go either. Yeah. Gonna...
0: I think to to bring it full circle, it's one yeah. of those things like, you know, we had the opportunity to to go and see these teams. You know, we talk about the teams, not getting the chance to, you know, not all the teams get the chance to go East and play against these teams. Not everybody from the Midwest gets the opportunity to go back to see these teams. I think, you know, it could, it could benefit the sport in general to see, you know, any of the teams we've talked about today. Um, come here and play and put on a show because to be honest like that's really like i felt like i was at a show for three games um over the week how big on was Saturday. the crowd how big was the crowd <clears throat> um it's one is like it varied uh because um obviously the different teams so it, it right. went in and out uh i think the biggest crowd or at least the most vocal was most likely the seton hall prep darianne game and it was like they're they're both pretty close. Obviously, Darian, Coach Premier said they it took him an hour and a half to get there. I imagine Seton Hall preps that, if not less, for them. Um, ironically, I think probably the least crowd was the St. Anthony's game. <laughs> like there was probably fewer. Uh, the, I think the stands were a little bit more more empty um, during the St. Anthony's, uh, and and again, Lincoln Sudbury. It's a little bit more of a haul for the Massachusetts yeah. school to get there. So I wouldn't have expected them to bring as many people. But I mean, the Seton Hall prep crowd, they were rowdy. It was vocal. Like, that game had a big... I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if you got to watch it, but that game went... I think they were down three with, like, four or five minutes to go, and Seton Hall prep just bang, bang, bang. Like, they, they showed why they had upset Del Barton or beat Del Barton earlier this year and why they might be the uh, Tournament of Champion winner, or at least one of the favorites. Um, even though Del Barton doesn't... You know, they're a defending champ there, and they're not going to go out easy. But uh, it's one of those, like... that. That was a great game. That was, that was a lot of fun to watch. Their face-off guy was dominant in that game. And, I mean, you're talking about a Darien team that's – they are very good. Like, they are not a uh, pushover. Like, they're used to that quality of uh, – that caliber of team that's, game in, game out. That's and, it. <clears throat> to give up that stuff. So, I mean, it was good It was it was good crowds. Like, it was, uh, it was a fun environment. It was a good environment. ESPN, you know, I'm saying this as someone who used to work for them and went to – I've been to their basketball events. They've run um, – I've been to football games that they've run. Like, they – they know how to put on a show and you put it on TV and people tend to show up.
4: Yeah, I would I enjoyed it. I watched it. I had it uh uh there was one on ESPN 3 and then the other ones were on ESPN on on uh online and I hooked it up to my TV cuz still old man still like things on TVs. Uh <clears throat> and and watched it there. It was it was was that Easter Sunday. I think it was Easter Sunday. Was uh, it...
0: The games are Saturday and Sunday, so I was yeah. there. For, I was there for Saturday games. so I didn't get to stay for for both set of days. So, um...
4: but it was Easter Sunday, right? Was that, I mean, all my days because I think we were eating brunch and I had lacrosse on the TV. I think, uh,
0: to be honest, I, I... I thought Easter Sunday was the previous Sunday because we went <laughs> right. out. I
4: don't, I don't, right? I don't.
0: I don't remember. My, my I was week... eating
4: breakfast watching it. That's
0: all I know. My weeks uh, are blurring uh, together.
4: Right, mine too. So, so... but yeah, I mean. And what and what you're saying is just to, it would be great to see Midwest people see that type of thing. It's almost it's like it should be like required reading <laughs> um, because and I don't want to pull someone's name. Or, someone came up to me last night who followed me, talks to me every once in a while and said about Dublin Kaufman. They could have competed out there better than Loyola could, mm-hmm. and and I didn't laugh. I I was like, I I was I was I was contemptuous, like I was angry. I'm like, you like I'm I was so dumbstruck. Like, do you understand what I? You know, I couldn't even articulate it. I just said they. I said if they played your team and they wanted to, they could beat you fifty to nothing, and you have three awesome players. Yeah. But those three awesome players aren't standing alone and trying to beat someone that's fast because they're not going to get there. Um, it's a different way. And that's the part that annoys me a little. When you say, well, we got five Division One players. I'm like, they have 23, every yeah. one of them. <laughs> and you know what? And they don't care about D- Division <clears> One. <throat> no, They care about what school they go to for the rest of their life. Well, these kids aren't getting into... Um if they're not getting into the Ivy League they're looking at the Nescac. Yeah. They're looking at Division 3 schools because they want the greatest education they can get. Yeah. And these and the and the opportunity that being great at lacrosse gives them is that opportunity. Yeah. And where it's a trophy here and I was speaking to somebody about this today where this is this makes you at the the parent at the cocktail party bragging about his Division 1 kid <laughs> and he's like you don't have that same type of way out there. I think a little of that kind of education would help the Midwest a little bit. Yeah. Um, Because I remember when I thought these teams are as good. Hey, I've seen them play. They look like the same. Yeah. And you know what? When you're looking at the one, when you're looking at two great teams here, they look like two great teams. Yeah. And when you're looking at two great teams out there, they look like two great teams. So you think, it's the same two great ways. <laughs> right. Until you put the one that's not in the league with the other and you're like, Oh, I see the difference now. Yeah. It shows the speed, the <clears throat> the the lack of hesitation, um, just the just the turn on a pass. I mean, just something as nuanced as that is if you just watch how they work a ball around, if you put Loyola, for example, and Chaminade, it it was just a different
0: speed. Yeah. It was just different. The one thing and, I noticed about St. Anthony's was <clears throat> when the player saw the opening, there was no hesitation. It, it, it's like a great NFL running back. It's like they have this much space. And it's great to, you know, use my fingers to indicate space on a podcast, right. but like you have this much space and they hit it and it's gone. Like in next thing you know, it's a 70 yard touchdown. Like that was what I noticed out of the St. Anthony's squad. It's like the kid got a corner and he was around it and he was at the net in an instant, like the, right. no hesitation. It's like they had done it many times before. It's just one of those, like it, it was, <clears throat> it was truly impressive. Like it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, um, I agree. And just, you know, just fun, just fun. It's like, it's like, yeah, this is how this game is played. Like when mm-hmm. it's played at full speed, full tilt with no hesitation with players who know how to play it and where their teammates are. Like that was one of the things that impressed me as well. Is just like, just the, the field awareness of they know where every, everybody knows their assignment. Everybody knows. what I mean, I was amazed, like, because, <clears throat> you know, again, I was interested to see Brendan O'Neill and I was like, oh, is he going to put on a show? And it was amazing, like, how I saw him back off so many times and let this teammate – do what they need to do. It's like, and it's like, and it wasn't like exactly. you didn't really see any. It was that nonverbal communication. Like he's like, oh yeah, no. It's like this is Jake. Jake's Jake's got this like kind of That's... thing. It's just like, and it's but in it, it's been easy to be like you know I want the ball like you know because I mean a guy like that could take over a game if he really really wanted to. So it's like impressive to see like he's like back off, let someone else. And I, I got I cannot go without saying that one of the things that impressed me most because I think you mentioned on earlier podcast so we will wrap up after this. Um, but <clears throat> so, Lincoln Sudbury already mentioned was missing six starters. And the game started to get like, you could tell it's second half. I talked to Coach Vaughn at halftime. They, they put in a freshman goalie, which is an extraordinarily tough position to be in. One, you're playing St. Anthony's. Two, you're on ESPN. You're in this crowd. You're in this situation. Like, you're already down. Like, I can't I felt so bad for the kid. He was like, we're going to see how it goes. And one, the Lincoln Sudbury squad, like, St. Anthony's, they were scoring it really seemed effortless for them and every one of the Sudbury kids would go over and like just try to keep their like giving the goalie words of encouragement I'm like you can't like this cannot make this kid's career like this would not be your highlight tape this is a trial by fire you are getting an education right now you have many many years to approve on it but I think what impressed me most is St. Anthony's they really let off the gas the they started the passing a lot more, getting it on. Eventually the bench is cleared. They got all their guys in. All their guys got experience. They put their backup goalie in. It was one of those. And I'm like, you know, it'd been really easy. Like they're the host school, national television. It could have been a real opportunity, but like, Oh, we want, we want to, you know, showcase what we're about. And they just backed off. The score could have been so much worse than it was based on what they, what they saw. But I mean, I got to give it up to lincoln Sudbury kids too. Like they, those kids were scrappy. I could see why they are going to be in the hunt this year because they they never hung their heads they were like they stayed in the game to the end and i'm like that's that's a tough position to be in um that when you're when you're down the down like that but you know i was impressed nonetheless by uh the class and just you know much less the athleticism and the speed but you know the class that those team that team showed and i mean all the all the teams were great like it was uh it was a, For me, it was, a, it was a great weekend. It was a fun weekend, despite the weather. But despite a little bit of wind and a little bit of cold, <laughs> I wouldn't have traded it. Right.
4: I, I will tell you a funny <laughs> thing along that line is um, a friend of mine's son is the backup goalie at Loyola. And they put him in in the third quarter. Uh, and they put Brennan O'Neill in. He scored... Three seconds off the faceoff. I mean, it was boom, and it was he, the goalie had no chance. No goalie would have had a chance. Uh, and so his dad's at home, and I'm texting him, and he's like, "How many has he given up?" I'm like, "Well, he just gave up one now." Well, then Brendan O'Neill came back from around the around the cage and shot, and Liam, the goalie, stopped it. It hit him in the shin, but he stopped it. And I said, and I tweeted, "Big save by McCarthy." And I saw Liam after the game, and I said, "You could tell that story." for the rest of your life. Yeah. I said, you could say I stopped a Brennan O'Neill goal. Yeah. It's a total truth. I hate you could, you could go through Twitter. It totally happened. <clears throat> I said, you took it right off the shin and you stopped it. And he's, and he just smiled. He's like, yeah, I can. I go, because you know that he's a, that he might be that player that could push lacrosse into the mainstream even more. Yeah. You know, if Paul Rabel is one guy and, and the, and the, and the Powells were the first, and then Rabel, and then uh, you know, if you want to say uh, Rob Pinnell, Brandon O'Neill, he's a junior in high school, and he could be top five most across the world. yeah it, it's not a stretch, so I said you could do that, and that's the cool thing about it and that's the, and that's the good the good stories you could tell when you're older and and the boys from Loyola are lucky, and that's the other part yeah they are lucky. Not everyone gets an opportunity to do that. And they were very thankful and they were very gracious to everyone um, because they know that it was a privilege. Yeah. Um, and And I don't think they get to do it next year. I think they only get to do one long trip next year, not two like they did this year. So I think that changes. But like I said to a lot of the kids, thank your parents. Yeah. Thank, you know thank your coaches, thank your school that you're lucky enough to get this opportunity. Cause not everyone does. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's a great thing for them. And it's a sad thing for other things that other people can't get that opportunity. Um, so when you have the opportunity, be grateful for it. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that sums pretty much everything up for me.
0: Yeah. That sounds pretty good. So tell everybody where they
4: can find you online. Uh, you can find me at Twitter. Um, my handle is at M F W C H I. um, you could find, you could email me at mward at laxrecords.com and uh, around the Crease podcast and,
0: and the YouTube channel. Okay. And you can find me at laxrecords on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, youtube.com slash laxrecords as well. So, uh, everybody, have a week. All right, everybody, I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you haven't already, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube, and please leave us a like. It really helps us out. If you really enjoyed this show, you can check out the rest of the Round the Crease podcast in video form by clicking on the video link above. Have a great one, everyone.